Shift M podcast episode 15. Uh, it's just me today, no guests. And I'll tell you the story which happened to me literally yesterday. Uh, and then I'll try to make a, uh, a number of examples, a number of conclusions out of that story which I actually made before in, a f- in one article on the blog and in one presentation at the conference. But uh, now I'll speak about that again because I think it's so typical and it's so, um, it, it, it's so frustrating to see that situations in management that I think that I have to dedicate one episode of this podcast for, for the discussion of it. So what happened? A friend of mine called me yesterday and, uh, and then here's the story he told me. Uh, he hired um, a group of programmers, two people, to develop a mobile app for his money and for his idea. He's not a developer, that's why he hired that people. And they, they promised to do everything and they became partners. Uh, so he didn't pay him, he, my friend didn't pay them uh, in full, uh, they were co-founders, so he invited them to be co-founders on the project and he gave them some, uh, some, some stocks of, of this startup. And they were working quite well for about a year. So they were developing everything and uh, my friend, uh, his name is Mike, so Mike was so happy about that. He was, um, he was getting some results, he, he saw the product, he saw the mobile app, it's, well, it was uh, iOS and Android. Uh, they were using um, React Native, which is a, um, a software framework to develop these mobile apps. And they were working for almost a year, quite successfully. And then uh, these two people, one, one key programmer was there, and there were two programmers, but one of them was the main one, and another one was just helping him. So this main programmer uh, found a job, a full-time job in California, in Silicon Valley, really well-paid job. Uh, so he, he had to kind of, you know, he had to, not to quit, but he started to become more and more busy with this job, and uh, he was not able, it just happened recently, like, you know, just a month ago, uh, it became obvious that, for Mike, that that developer is not going to be as responsive and as productive as he was before. Actually, he became absolutely not productive and not responsive. He just almost stopped to work because, you know, if you have a full-time job and it's well-paid, then you most probably not going to spend any money on some startup, which is not paying you anything. And, and Mike was like trying to do something with that situation because he, he needed to continue with the startup, even though the key developer is not anymore, is no longer in the project. So he, uh, he started to ask that developer to give something back and to, you know, to help him to, uh, to help him to hire new programmers and to transition the software to these new programmers so that they can continue. And that developer became kind of stubborn and not really cooperative and started to sabotage this process because he didn't want to lose the, the, the ownership of this code. He didn't want to, uh, to be kicked out of the project. It's like, you know, the story is, it was full of emotions when the story, I, when I've heard it yesterday. 
Uh, and Mike was like, what am I going to do? So what, how can I actually deal with this situation? Because I'm not a programmer, he was saying. I, he came to me because, because I'm a programmer. So he came to me to help, to ask me for help. He was saying, can you please do some, I mean, help me somehow do something uh, to, to take that code out of the hands of this developer and, and give that code to new developers. Uh, and, and, and the funny part is that uh, that developer he felt that the situation was is, is going you know is going south and and there are problems and the he can he can lose uh, the ownership I mean not the ownership entirely but he can lose control of the code so the developer uh, uh, deleted the, the big part of the repository with the source code I mean not well deleted from the GitHub like completely erased uh, the source code. And uh, and Mike was asking like how can I what can I do with that and how do I know that this part he deleted is uh, I, I can restore it from the backup they had some backups and and how fresh it is and how can I even deploy this code I don't know what to do with this code it's something which which that developer knew what to do with but I'm not a developer and these new people who I can find they they will probably not understand a lot of this code and a lot of this situation will be unclear for them and they will probably ask me to uh, to pay them to develop a lot of that code from scratch so you, you see the story right and and and, <laughs> and it's so typical and I'm sure that this Mike is not alone that's what I told him yesterday I said look you're not alone with this story you there are many startup founders who are uh, who are in, in similar or identical situations like every day so I wrote a blog post about that and I'm gonna publish it tomorrow so when you're listening to this startup for this you're listening for this episode uh, you probably can find that blog post already and I called it the title of the blog post is gonna be trust pay lose so trust period pay period lose period so I, I define three steps which almost every startup founder goes through. First of all, you trust the developers, you find the developers, uh, you think that the developers are great because they have a really good profile, they have a good resume, their projects look, you know, look uh, terrific, and you, you want to trust them. So you find them and you have all the positive attitude to these people. You want to trust them. You are uh, you're looking for somebody to trust. Because that's the way you want to work. You don't want to work with somebody you don't trust. You are looking for a partner. You're looking for a, uh, for a person, for a trustworthy person. You're looking for somebody who you can actually, you know, trust your resources and, and, and delegate this work. You don't want to somebody who you will, like, control every day you just trust it you delegate it you you out you not the outsource but you delegate that piece of responsibility to somebody and you want to trust that person this is the first step you trust that people the second step is that you pay them you pay they deliver they develop they they implement the features you're looking for they they produce some new releases they uh, deploy that software somewhere they they actually work and they send you invoices every month or every week and you keep paying them and it may take a take a while in case of Mike's in the case of this my friend Mike it took about a year a little bit a little bit longer 
So he was paying that developers for a year and everything was fine. He didn't call me for this year. I, I didn't hear anything from him. Well, he was just saying happy birthday to me and that's all. That's, that's what I got from, the, from, from Mike uh, because he was so happy that everything was good. He, he didn't remember that I exist and I'm also a developer. He didn't need me. He didn't need my, need my services. Uh, so he was happily uh, paying that developers and keeping full trust in their um, reliability. And then step number three, I call it lose. When there is something is wrong, when in, in case of Mike, there is not something really terribly wrong. Uh, that person just found a better job and, and, and he kind of started to, to move there. And then, you know, because of that situation, he had to quit. And then they start some kind of a conflict and then he deleted some code. So, so, but initially it started more or less a normal business situation because there's new job, new money. So I'm sorry, I have to move on. But then you start to lose and eventually you lose a lot at this step number three. Because you're not in charge, you don't control the code, you don't know what's what's in there, you don't you don't understand these digital artifacts, you don't know what to do with them, and you can of course find new programmers on the market, you can of course hire new people, but then you will go to the cycle again. You will again trust, and then you will pay, and then you will lose again. So this cycle has no end. It's it's a spin. <laughs> you trust, you pay, and then you lose. And in the blog post, I said that uh, I finished my blog post with the words uh, which sound like uh, don't trust us programmers. We are smart, lazy and spoiled. You will lose. It's like a message to all these founders, managers, people with money. You definitely uh, feel excited and feel in charge when you hire programmers, when you find them on the market, when you when you trust them. But uh at that at that moment of time you feel the power you feel control you 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 feel safe you feel safe you feel being safety and um, you don't worry about anything but programmers our job actually is way more complicated than uh something really transactional you're used to it's not like buying a car or buying a house or even building a house it's way more complicated it's way more difficult and there uh, too many things which we know better than you. We are smart, like I said, we're lazy, and we're spoiled by customers like, like, like Mike, the customer who keeps paying and, and doesn't ask questions. And then eventually you can just say, hey, bye-bye, uh, and, uh, and now I want this and that, and you will do what I say because, because I control the, the everything. I own the code. I I own the code, I uh, know how it works, I know how to build it, I know how to deploy the new version, I know everything. You're not in charge anymore. So our positions uh, swap uh, dimer um, you know, entirely. So now uh, I'm the boss. And, uh, and the person with the money is not the boss anymore. Because, because the amount of money already invested is so big that in order not to lose them, uh, the money person has to do whatever I say if I'm the programmer. Because I know that that, that person doesn't want to lose the money. The, the sponsor of the project doesn't want to lose that big money already invested. So that that, that, in, that sponsor will do whatever I say. So I just, I, if I'm a programmer, I just take that, that business as a hostage. They do what I want because, because of the amount of money. They, they're afraid to lose finally. 
I don't know exactly the amount Mike invested into this stuff, but I can estimate it. It's like at least, I don't know, about $60,000, $70,000 over a year because the programmer was uh, from Russia and uh, the rates was not the rate was not really big. Well, in this case, he was not really paying that person in the Mike situation, but if he would be paying, that would be like approximately $60,000. He invested in this case a lot of time. So if uh, it's, it's also something valuable. So you can just say like, leave it. I don't care. Let's start from scratch because the amount of the, the time you invested also uh, costs costs a lot. So let's let, and now I'm, I'm going to speak about how to prevent that from happening. I didn't say that in the in the blog post, and that's why I decided to make this uh, episode recording about this subject. So this is, uh, of course, we understand that it has to be prevented. It has to be avoided. That kind of that kind of disaster. So let's go step by step. There are actually three steps. The step number one, trust. It's the moment you find programmers. I'm going to say what I said to Mike, but with more words. So what I told him is that uh, try not to try not to get excited of the trust you are uh, you want to put into these people. I said, look, all the programmers are almost the same. They all look bright on the surface. They all look interested in your project. They all look uh, motivated and they all look trustworthy when you start working with them, when you just hire them. Most managers and most uh, project uh, owners fall in love with these people initially. And usually when you fall in love, then you will definitely, you will, with a high probability, you will have an opposite feeling eventually, which is hate. So what I'm saying, I'm suggesting is don't fall in love. Don't try to trust too much. Just stay a little bit, you know, a little bit skeptical, a little bit uh, uh, maybe too critical. Of course, don't, don't start a conflict over nothing, but be skeptical. That's probably the best, the best word. You look at the resume, they sound, they look professional, they look interested, they look like they're, uh, they know what they're doing. But still, uh, be as on alert as you can. Because like I'm saying, all programmers, we're all the same. We are all approximately, more or less, we're all the same. In general, I, 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 I like to quote... Uh, it's a really famous quote that there are no uh, bad soldiers, there are only bad generals. Meaning that all soldiers are more or less the same. If you take one programmer and you manage that programmer the right way, you will get the right result of the project. If you take the same programmer and you manage that person in the wrong way, you will get the wrong result. So it's not about the person, it's about you being the manager, it's about how you manage that people. The same here. If you take the people and you and you put a lot of trust in them, if you think that they are good enough to manage themselves, they need they don't need to be controlled, they don't need to be supervised, they don't need to be patronized, they they are professional, they can go forward on their own, then you're in trouble. Because anyone, no matter how professional they are, they need proper planning, proper control, proper supervision. 
If you don't put that supervision, you'll get into trouble. And you will not put that supervision if you trust too much. That's my point. So the more you trust, the, the less management you, you enforce in the project. The less management you enforce, uh, the more problem you will get in the future. So that's my recommendation for the, for the start, for the first, for the first step. Just don't trust too much. What does it mean, don't trust too much, practically? Well, first of all, uh, when you interview programmers, if you're not a programmer, if you're just a manager, so try to ask somebody to interview that people for you. No matter how good they are, you found, you found a good person, find somebody else, pay some extra money for the interviewer, and then ask that interviewer to give you, to look at that programmers and give you the, the summary of what that person thinks about them. It will cost you a little bit more in the beginning and maybe it will, it will not offend that people. In, in most cases, it will not offend them because they will understand that you're trying to manage the project more professionally. You're not just talking to them and asking, are you good programmers? Yes, we're good programmers. Wow, I love that. Let me hire you. I've seen that situation too. I know that I probably have told that story already some few episodes before. I had a, uh, I had a, I've seen that a CTO of a quite big company doing an interview of a programmer over Skype. And the question he asked that programmer was, are you a good developer? And the answer was, yes, I'm a good developer. And it was not a joke. He was really asking that question. So he wanted to know, is it a good de- developer in front of him? And the answer was, yes, I'm a good developer. And, and, then, and then, then I got involved. And I did the proper technical interview, and, and it appeared to be, and he and that person appeared to be a good a good developer. But seeing a CTO asking that kind of a question is like it's it's a shame. So don't be that 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 CTO. Be be more professional. Don't ask, are you a good developer? Hire somebody, pay some extra dollars to that person, and and ask that person to interview the programmer you're looking for. That's an advice. The second, probably you need the NDA, so sign some papers. Don't trust people just on their words. Sign NDA and sign, sign some kind of a contract. We all know that these NDAs are not going to save you in case there's some, you know, in most cases, these papers don't help. But uh, if there will be some big money dispute, then they will help. You're not gonna, they're not going to help you if these programmers steal some piece of code from you and then, and, and then you will try to sue them for $5,000. You will get nothing back. But if you're developing something big and, and well, something which you want to become big and then one of the programmers take the, the, this code base and, and create something similar, for example, and that similar thing and your thing will become big like Apple and Samsung, I don't know, like you know, two big competitors, then you will be able to sue that company for, for a lot of money and they will probably pay. So, so it's going to be a case. It's going to be a, a, a real case for the court. And you, you, maybe you will not win, but you will have a lot of leverage against these people. So always sign the NDA. No matter how you trust these programmers, just make it like a routine to sign the contract and the NDA and do everything by the papers. Even though you, you, they look like you know, honest and trustworthy people. You never know what's going to happen in the future. Uh, That's probably it about trust. So interview them properly and sign the papers. But I don't really, 
I would suggest, like I said already, I would suggest not to rely too much on finding the right people. We are all approximately the same. It's all about you, a manager. It's not about us programmers. If you are a good manager, even average or bad or junior or incompetent programmers will be okay for you because if, you're, if, you're, if your management system is, con is configured right, is set up right, then uh, it will reject incorrect people quite fast. If you, if you put the proper, con you, something which I'll explain a little bit later, if you put everything in, in place and your system will work, then incompetent people will be rejected quite fast. So you don't need to, you know, to select them with the extra attention and find only the best, the brightest people, the, the brightest talents. I don't, I don't believe in that, in that selection. I believe in, in systems. I believe in proper project management instead of you know, bright programmers. A good, bright, super competent programmer is not going to save you, is not going to help you if your system is broken. But on the other hand, uh, if your system is perfect, then even an average programmer will, 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 will make your project happen. That's what I think. So this trust process, just don't, don't rely on your trust. Don't rely on, on, on good people. Rely on yourself, on your system. Step number two, the most important, is how you work with these guys, how you work with the project, what happens during this one year when you pay them, when you send them money and they deliver you the result. I uh, wrote a blog post, I guess like a year and a half ago, or maybe even earlier, which says that you have to do independent technical reviews. That's what I call them, independent technical reviews. It's independent because... Um, because on top of your team, on top of your technical group, which you ha already have in the project, which you pay already for, 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 the, for the programming they do, for design, for testing, for everything, you hire someone independent, someone who is outside of this group entirely, who doesn't know that group, who is just an expert from the market, and uh, you ask that person to look at what your team is doing regularly, let's say every second week, like bi-weekly, look at what they're doing and um, build you a summary report of what may go wrong or what is wrong now or what may go wrong in the future and uh, maybe some suggestions of how to fix that. It could be anything. It could be different things which that person will look at, this expert, this independent reviewer who, we, who you're going to hire on the market. Uh, the main point is that you invite an independent person and you change that independent, independent that the expert also quite regularly. So it has to be somebody new every, every three, four reviews. So you hire somebody and that person comes in, looks at what's going on, and tells you that, that these people are moving to the right direction, but there are some exceptions, there are, but there are some problems, but there are some issues which, needs to be, which need to be fixed. Otherwise, you will have these and these problems. I, to be honest, I've never seen any project which would be doing that. I don't know about you, listen, you people who are listening to me right now. Look at your projects. Do you have that? 
I doubt many of you have that thing happening. So have that independent expert who is actually reviewing things, reviewing the project affairs and reporting to, uh, to the project manager, to the project owner, uh, what's going on. Because we are, I mean, project managers and, and, and people with money, uh, they don't really understand, like my friend Mike, they don't really understand how software has to be developed. It's not their business. They, they are not programmers. And, and, of, and, and each programmer, each software team, each programmer, they have their own understanding of what's, what's the right way to develop software. Some people think that unit testing is a good thing to do. Another team may say, we don't do unit testing. One thing thinks that they need to use continuous integration. Another team would say, you know, we don't use it right now because we don't need it. One team thinks that uh, this framework and this set of design patterns is the right way to, de to develop software. Another team may think that this is the wrong framework and it's too old and it's not supported, it's not stable, it's not secure enough. And these design patterns are anti actually anti-patterns. Anti so there could be different views at how the software has to be developed. And of course, the team will convince the project manager that their way of developing software is actually the right way. And if the project manager is smart, then he will not trust the team, he or she. The project manager will not trust the team, will not trust that words, will not let the team convince uh, him or her. The project manager will, will try to doubt, always put these words uh, to doubt, and uh, always suspect that the team, maybe unintentionally, maybe not because they're so evil, but, but, but just because they feel that this is the right way, they will always try to convince the project manager, convince in things which may not be right. So that's why we always need a second opinion, so that the smart project manager will always invite somebody to get the second opinion. And the team will not be offended. The team will understand that the project manager is smart. The project manager is strong. The project manager is not afraid to offend anybody. The project manager doesn't care about you know, offending anyone. The project manager cares about the project. And this is the most important, the top priority for that person. If anyone is offended, it's your problem. You can quit tomorrow. The main objective of the project manager is not to keep people happy, but to make the project successful. And to make the project successful, we need to, to doubt every, every technical opinion we have inside the project. We need to always put them uh, you know, under, in, under inspection, under investigation. It has to be some external person. So why it's not happening, I think it's not about money. So I, I don't think people like actually trying to save money and not to spend them this like two hours of work for an independent expert. Like, okay, it could be, it could be very expensive person or just expensive person. Let's say a hundred bucks an hour. Uh, we pay for like two hours of work or four hours of work every two weeks. So it's $400 every two weeks. So it's $800 a month. An average project will cost like what? Like $15,000, $10,000 a month. So what is this $800, $800 a month for an external review, for for, for uh, independent review, which will uh, give us a lot of information about how the project may fail in the future and how to prevent that.
I don't think it's a it's a money question. I think I think the main question is people are trying are being afraid of offending the team. I think that's the reason number one. They just they just want to trust and they think that they will look bad if they don't trust. So the team will will, will kind of you know will not like the manager if the manager says, you know, guys, I don't really trust you fully. I don't trust you 100%. I trust you, of course. I love you. You're the best team I've had in my life. But this is an independent reviewer who will take a look at what you're doing. And that person will do it every two weeks. Either you like it or not. But I'm doing it for all of us. Because if the project fails, we all lose. I lose, you So I better not trust you too much right now. I invite the expert. I invite the, the reviewer. And I save the project. So I think just project managers are, in most cases, are kind of too weak, you know, just being too afraid uh, to offend the team and to uh, to stress uh, their morale, the stress the atmosphere in the team, and they they just are they just want to keep things quiet until until the, the project collapses. So that's what's, that's what's happening, I believe. That's the main reason. Well, I'm thinking about what other reasons could be. It's not the money, it's not the time, it's, uh, it's not the, um, uh, the inability to find experts. The market is open. You can go to uh, any freelance platform and say, hey, I'm looking for somebody who will get into my project Spend a few hours, take a look at the source code, take a look at what's going on, and give me a half-page report, and I'm going to pay 50 bucks an hour for this work. I, I believe you can find easily that kind of people. And you need to, to rotate that people. So don't keep the same reviewer uh, for, for the entire year, for example. Make sure you rotate them. You invite somebody, you invite somebody else. You need to have different opinions. Not just one second opinion, but different opinions. And now let me let me show you what I think need to be reviewed. What what's the what's the material uh, this person has to review? I I mentioned that in one of my presentations. Uh, you can see my talks on the site, and uh, this one I gave in May this year, 2017, and the talk was called uh, "How to Avoid Outsourcing Disaster." If you listen to this talk, it was quite fast, like half an hour or so. But I mentioned that problem there, and I said that it's so important to to be to invite that expert. I call its auditors in the presentation. I call them tech auditors, and I said what these auditors have to have to pay attention to, what kind of artifacts they have to review. So I said, first of all. Uh, First of all, it has to be the, the quality of code by itself, of course. So that person has to be a programmer, that auditor, the programmer who is capable of opening the source code and looks at, look inside and, and make the decision of what's right and wrong. So if your team is developing in JavaScript, maybe it's not a good idea to hire an expert in Python because that person will not be able to decide whether the code is good. So if the team develops in JavaScript, find a JavaScript developer who will look into the code and tell you What's going on? What's wrong there? And of course, you 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 show that information. That's that's one more point I, I forgot to mention. That it's it's important, I believe, to make that report open and, and available for the programmers as well. So the, the the expert, the reviewer, comes in 
looks at the, the artifacts, looks at what's, what's going on and all the technical things, and then, re, and then says, this is wrong, that is wrong, this, needs, this piece needs improvement, this area is not, uh, is not properly controlled. And then you show that information to the team. You kind of educate them. They will learn from that. They will appreciate that because, because that expert in most cases is quite well-paid person and quite you know, professional. So the team will, will enjoy uh, learning something from somebody who is more expensive than they are or just somebody who is just an, just an, out, just an outsider and looking into their code. I would love to get that report if somebody gave it to me. If somebody go into my project, in my open source project or in my commercial project, look at the code and say, look, I don't think you're doing it right in this area or in that area. I would love that to hear that because it helps me learn. I will ask, what do you mean? What, what needs to be improved? How would you do it differently? I will not be offended. Maybe it's just me that I don't, I think most programmers who are like, you know, who are interested in learning and growing, they will like that. So the quality of code is first. Uh, second, it's of course the, the, the unit testing and integration testing uh, situation. Sometimes there are no tests, sometimes the testing is not properly designed, sometimes there are mistakes in testing, sometimes the test coverage is low, so the, the, the expert has to pay attention to this test situation. Next one, it's continuous integration, continuous delivery. Some people, some teams don't have that at all, they just don't do continuously anything, they do everything manually. Of course, it's going to be a risk as well, and the, the reviewer, the auditor, will tell, will tell you that it has to be fixed. But it's not just the presence of CI, CD, it's also how it works. Uh, the auditor will look at the, at the logs, will look at the statistics, will look at the reports your CI, CD system is giving you back, will look at everything. Uh, production platform, logs and uh, files and statistics and everything. That's also interesting to see if I would be the reviewer, I would definitely ask for an access to a uh, production platform or to logs, log files of the production system uh, to understand what's going on there, how, how mistakes are reported, how many errors we have there, how frequently we can check logs. Uh, logs is a very important part of of any production system. And sometimes people just don't have logs. Sometimes they just see them randomly. Sometimes they just uh, don't store them correctly. Sometimes they don't archive them. They, don't, they can't find logs. They can't find logs from the previous months or so. It has to be you know, reviewed. Security, the next point. Of course, the expert will take a look at the security problems where and how we can be hacked, where and how we can lose our data, we can lose security information, sensitive information. It's all important to look at. Um, database organization. The structure of the database, the statistics of the database, performance, indicators, uh, amount, the size of the database, the regularity of backups, all that things they need to be understood and the auditor will definitely inform you about the problems. Uh, many other things you can find there. It's not really important, I, I mean, it's not my job to tell you now what this, this auditor will look into. I think that person, if you find, if you find, again, I'm saying if you find the right person, this is not the right thing to say, like I mentioned before, there are no right and wrong people, uh, they're just right and wrong management. 
So don't expect to find the right person to review some to review the project for you. Just find a person and make a list of things which you want that person to pay attention to. And again, it's not me to tell you what the things uh, you you need to pay attention to in your project. So it depends from project to project. But these a few things which I listed, they exist most probably in all projects. You can add something on top of them. But make sure you have your own list of concerns, your own list of questions which you present to that expert and and ask uh, that experts, that auditors to to pay extra attention, to pay special attention to. And they will, because that that list will be helpful. If I would be the auditor, if you you come to me and ask me to review uh, your project, then I will most probably ask you to give me a list of things which you want me to pay attention to. If you don't give me anything, then I will find something to look at. Of course, I'm a programmer myself, so I will know what to look into, but my report will be not as uh, focused on your set of problems as... uh, as you would get from me if you have that list. Uh, another question I'm thinking about is whether you should show uh, previous reports to new auditors. So if you hire me and I come to your project and you already, you've done already like five reports before, five audits, five audits you had before, uh, then I would probably say, can you show me the results of them? In this case, I would recommend not to do that, not to show them because that will be... Uh, that will make me biased. So I will, I will see what previous auditors saw and found in your project and I will most probably find the same or I will try not to find the same, which will, which will kind of, you know, uh, which will uh, distract me while I'm working on, the, on your artifacts. So I would recommend to keep them isolated, to keep them individual, standalone and uh, always uh, ind- independent from one another. Each report, each audit has to start from scratch. That's how I would do that. So this is, this is it about the, the, the main part, about this main you know, one-year development cycle. When you pay your programmers, you always remember that while you're working, while you're paying your, your team, while uh, the, process, the, the project moves forward, you need to regularly control where you are you need to know that you you need to collect that information and the only way to collect is not to ask your programmers but to hire somebody from the outside to take a look at the project affairs and give you the independent uh, overview don't ask your programmers what's going on and how good the, the code is and how good is the testing system they're gonna lie not intentionally but they will give you a bright picture of of uh, maybe not so bright reality so hire somebody from the outside and you will be safe you'll be way safer if Mike my friend would do that he would be so much better right now and he's he's telling me that we were talking yesterday and he was like yeah sure like and then I told him like did you did you read my my blog post and he said yeah I remember you were telling me that but I trusted that developer he was such a good guy and he was like yeah yeah I understand you're right this trust thing is, is killing you if you're a manager. Okay, the final step is the step when you lose. So eventually you will get the, the problem anyway. So you control, you, you collect that data, you build a list of risks, you know what, what may go wrong. 
technical risks, management risks, financial risks, marketing risks, all kind of risks. You as a good manager, you need to, to have that list in front of you all the time. But eventually you will have a problem. Eventually you lose your key programmers. Eventually they will, they will, they will quit. It will happen. Because like we all know, an average time a good professional programmer stays in the project is about one year. On the average, I don't know where this number. Well, I got that number uh, a few years ago. Uh, I think I think David West gave me that number during the interview. Uh, he said it's one year, and 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 I I think he's right. I mean, this is an approximately the amount of time a professional programmer would spend in a project. Uh, I think it's realistic estimate. Uh, so your programmer, no matter how good that person is no matter how much you trust that person, will eventually quit and you will, be, you will stay with the piece of code which was created by that, that person or a group of people. So what I would suggest, what to do when it actually happens, when you actually lose these talents, you lose your people, then I think that in order to kind of prevent that from happening, not prevent from happening the fact that they quit because they will quit no matter what, but to prevent the damage, the damage you, you're going to get because of their quitting. So I would recommend to rotate people before they quit. If you have a number of projects, try to move that people from project to project. If you have just one project and uh, you have just one thing to work with and one team, then try to change, to ro- not to rotate because you have nothing else to place them into, but maybe to kick them out not with a conflict but just because it's time to change the team it's time to you know to refresh the team and every time you replace people one by one or not all at once because that's going to be really difficult but one by one you will refresh you will make your project more resistant to that uh, people problem So if you intentionally take people out of the team and place new people into the team, you train your project to to handle that situation uh, normally. So it's going to be not a disaster for you anymore. It's going to be a normal routine process. When one programmer goes out, another programmer goes in. So you need to rotate. If you do that yourself not when it happens you do it pre pre proactively uh, you will be in charge you will be uh, in control and your project will be way more stable and way more resistant to any potential human resource issues which you will have no matter what so don't fool yourself that your programmer is going to stay with you forever it's not going to happen they eventually will quit and how much damage you're going to get with that depends on you depends on how you prepare how prepared you are for that situation they will quit but you can be prepared for that and just you know normally friend friendful friendful way say goodbye i wish you all the best and i'm ready for new programmers because everything is configured for the situation everything is in my hands my source code is in repository, continuous integration is configured, the deployment is done automatically. Everything is so cool and documented that it's not a problem for me to change the developer in just a few days. In that case, you're not going to have any conflicts, you're not going to have any fights with these people. You will just normally, peacefully 
professionally uh, let them go when they decide to go. But if you are not prepared, if you feel that when they quit it's some kind of a personal insult to you, that they personally don't like you and you need to fight with them if that happens, and you really believe it's not going to happen ever, then you're just fooling yourself and not preparing yourself for the disaster which is coming. So that's my recommendation. So be prepared for people to quit and not just mentally, you know, meditating to that uh, to that situation, but just just kick them out just every you know every half a year. Not kick them out, not with a conflict, but but just replace one programmer every half a year normally. Make it a make it a normal routine procedure. They're not gonna suffer because of that. The market needs programmers. They will find another job or you know inform them upfront that this is your policy, this is your this is the way you you want your project to behave. They will get ready for that and they will just know that this is happening. But you will you will be prepared. So that's what I think. That's kind of a summary of everything I wanted to say about that uh, story with Mike, which happened. And I'm again, I'm really sure that it's so typical. This is not the first time for me I've seen that. I've seen that many times. You first you trust, then you pay and keep paying, and then you lose. If you don't want that to happen with your project, try to do what I just say. Focus on independent technical uh, audits and you'll be fine. Thanks for listening. Uh, as usual, I, I'm, uh, I would love to, uh, to be with you. I mean, I would love you to come back every Monday. I'm trying to publish one podcast episode every Monday. Um, so come back next Monday. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.